Was Got that t- today? He said he signed an extension. Oh man, I've been I haven't been on the uh, social medias today, so that's exciting. Thirty million this next season instead of fifteen. Double his salary. Oh. One year's thirty million. Yeah. One year, thirty one, million. One year. That's what he said. Wow. Yeah. So how many years did he sign for? Until twenty, as I said, just up twenty twenty one. So to twenty twenty one. He's, he'll be 45. So 45 years old. Wow. That's great. Well, that just made me happy. Thank you, Spencer. He said thanks. That made him happy. <laughs> yeah. He's still the 15th highest paid quarterback in the league. Not, and then said 27. He was 27th highest paid. Now he's, now he's uh, 15th. Well, if you're making 30, 30 million in one year, though. Oh, that's nothing compared to those other guys are paying. Aaron Rodgers is making like fifty-five. What? No. Yeah. Not for one year. I'm pretty sure. You better look that up. Fifty. Oh, no. Aaron Rodgers was ahead of. Uh, those are baseball numbers. <laughs> oh, maybe it was the fifteen million or thirty. It's over. It's probably thirty million over the next couple seasons. Yeah, that might be what it is. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, hey, I, you know, if he made thirty million in one season, I'm okay with it. He he's he deserves it. He's he's uh he's paid his dues. But yeah, I don't see that happening in the NFL. Yeah, you're right. I think it was still 2021. But yeah, he his last contract that said I remember it was 15 million, whatever three or four year deal, three year deal, and then he signed a 30 million till 2021. So what is whatever that adds up to be. But big money is what it adds up to being. Yeah, big money, but my wife makes three times more, three times more than me. Which still doesn't make any sense to me. What does she do? She's a supermodel, but she Jackson. What does she do? (laughs) (laughs) Nothing. She does nothing. (laughs) She shows her body. She's a good-looking girl, but I I wouldn't. She's a good-looking girl, and she makes more than Tom Brady. How does that work? All right, we're going to say goodbye to you guys. All right. Call us later. Bye. All right. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Wow, that's awesome. I did not hear about that. So that's amazing. Yeah, it's, I mean, I guess it, so much for the rumors out there that he was going to play to 45, right? Yeah. So much for the turmoil that some, uh, Members of the media were saying that's why Tom Brady hasn't been signed yet. Turmoil amongst the organization. <laughs> oh, I mean, come they, on. they always like, try to tear him down. But, yeah. but in all reality, like there is no um, when you've just won the Super Bowl yeah. and you're the team's top player, the turmoil shouldn't be around you. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that. You know, it's usually something else. Oh, man. So, yeah, good day over here. It's a fantastic day. That just made my day. Yeah. I was off the grid for a few hours and see what happens when I go off the grid for a few hours. I know. Like, you're just, you're every day you're thinking, oh, the, the news is going to drop here. And then you like, you let a couple hours go by and then it's like, boom. Yeah. And I just find out Brady signs the extension. 
<sighs> so training camp started up. I'm so excited. I love this time of year. Training camp, huh? Training camp and NFL's going, so we won't be without football until February. It's my favorite time of the year, too, but usually not for that reason. So I get back from, uh, I was down in lovely Florida. Hold on a second. I'll be right back. And, uh, see, as soon as I talk about Florida, Jason leaves, just like he did yeah, when I, uh, just like, when I, just like, <laughs> <coughs> He knew for months when I was coming down, he, and he's like, oh, yeah, I'll be there, I'll be there. And then when I show up, oh, I'm going to the E-Nets. Sorry, bro. Okay. Is that you in real life? Yeah, it is. That's <laughs> I'm pretty bad at that. So you went to Florida. Yeah. And you disappear on me. I was in uh, Virginia. All right. What do we have going on there? E-Nationals? Yeah, the Roar E-Nationals. So that race is important now? It is. It is. Okay. It wasn't that important when it was up in my neck of the woods, but uh, apparently when I go into Florida, all of a sudden it becomes important and you got to go. <laughs> well, I have been, uh, let's see. <laughs> I've been to the E Nationals for the last three years, I think. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow, okay. So you didn't see that on your calendar and until I got there, right? Um, it was probably on my calendar for most of the year. <laughs> Funny. Okay. But you weren't gonna go until you said, Oh my god. God he's in Florida. Gotta get the hell out of here. I, I honestly I don't remember anything about um, <laughs> Agreeing to be in town during what? that. I have you on podcast saying, you know what? That that week looks pretty good for me. That looks really? pretty good for me. I guess what you meant by that was it looks pretty good for you going to the E Nationals. It could be. <laughs> yeah, I don't I I don't remember agreeing to be there at that particular time, but <laughs> well, that's fine. Um, okay. All right. Well I could prove you wrong otherwise, but, but uh, I won't if, do that. You if, know what? You're a good friend of mine. If I did, I'm sorry. <laughs> That's all right. Well, I just was looking forward to dinner, hmm. but that's why you build. All right. So looking at the calendar now. <laughs> What's October look like? Um, well, you got the Worlds. When's that? The Worlds is actually in September, but oh, okay. October, the first weekend is the Fall Indoor Nationals. Uh, the weekend after that is the IOCC in um, Las Vegas. Mm -hmm. The weekend after that is supposed to be the the BK Classic in Hobby Action. Oh, wow. And then our Midwest Carpet Nationals is the fourth weekend. <laughs> technically, I, technically I... I could be out of town every weekend in October, but there, there's got to be clearly something I have to pull the plug on here. <laughs> well, you may not want to uh, do that on the second week, which would be Vegas, I think. So looks like that's when I'll be down there again. Oh, so, so you have it scheduled already. Well, I don't know if I should tell you that or not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I had, a, I had a great time in Florida. And actually, 
the weather couldn't have been more perfect. I mean, it actually switched. It got up here in Pennsylvania, it was like 100 degrees during that week that I was in Florida. In Florida, I think the hottest it got was 95. Hmm. And we even had some days that were like 87, 86. It was perfect. And the humidity wasn't even that bad. I thought the humidity was going to kill me. And, you know, and when I told people when I was going, they're like, oh, you're crazy going to Florida in July. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know. For the most part, yeah. Yeah. And I lucked out. I mean, we went to Treasure <laughs> Island. That's where I stayed. At the beach, uh, Treasure Island Beach Resort, actually, which... Um, I got to give a major shout out to them because it was a fantastic place. I think I sent you pictures. I know I sent Allison pictures and she loved I, it. I didn't see any pictures. Uh, well, you know, you skip right over that stuff. But anyway. So, well, I just see pictures of you by the pool. Yeah. I mean, I, it was just a fantastic week. It was perfect. And the only thing missing was my buddy Jason. Kind of hurt. Kind of hurt. I got to admit. But whatever. You could have showed up at the resort and we could have had a good time. And you could have bought me dinner. But um uh what a great week, dude. It's fantastic. Um went jet skiing. That was a lot of fun. I saw that photo. Yeah. Dolphins right next to our jet ski out there. I never seen a dolphin jump out of the water like that. It was like fantastic. And so much fun, but Swimming with the dolphins yeah. in Florida. I should have jumped in. Yeah, I should have jumped in. It's like the um, it's like the sales pitch. Come visit Florida. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it, you know, the vacation started off. You know, we took a we took a legion out of Harrisburg. Okay. And okay. And it all started off with you know we're packing the night before, and Carrie's asking me, you know, because she's packing up the suitcase. I just I just had like a carry on like an. <laughs> What? A couple shirts, some cargos. Yeah. Well, because you, you end up going to the beach. You end, shirt. You, you end up going to the beach and wearing the same stuff every day. Like, mm -hmm. I rarely get to the bottom of the bag. I just end up wearing the board shorts, and that's pretty much it. So, anyway, she's packing up the suitcase. So you know how, you know, women, they pack it. They're bringing everything, pretty much. Oh, yeah. And I said, hey, look. Don't go over 50 pounds because if you go over 50 pounds, you're screwed. You're going to have to like either take some stuff out, you know, because uh, her sister was bringing us to the airport. So, we're we're like, you know, if, if it's over 50, you're going to have to take some stuff out and leave it behind with your sister. So, <laughs> so we get to, so Carrie packs up the bag, jam-packed. We, we put it on a scale at home. Reads fifty pounds. You would not believe. I'm not. Sh I'm not shitting you, bro. Fifty pounds. I'm like, man. I, I, I'm like, I hope this scale's accurate. You know, because we're right there. So I said, what we'll do is we'll get to the airport. We'll tell your sister to hold on and wait right there by the curb, just in case we need to unload something. Right. Mm -hmm. So I, I I run the bag into the scale. It's right inside the door there. Put it on the digital scale there. Read it. Fifty. Okay. No lie. Right on right, the money. Right on the money. Could not believe it. I'm like, this is awesome. I'm like, hey, I waved to her sister. I told her, you, you can go because we're, we're good. So, we're standing in line to check this bag in and there's a sign there and it says, you know, when you're, you know, checking in your bag, 40 pounds max. 40. 
not 50. That's on Allegiant, huh? Allegiant is 40 pounds. Hmm. And I'm like, what? So, you know, we put it up on the scale. It measures 50. And, and the guy's like, well, you're 10 pounds over. That would be 50 bucks. Hmm. That's when you take 10, 10 pounds out, put it in your backpack. I had no room in there. Again, I had a small backpack and I had it. You know, I had my shorts in there and my shirts. I had everything right to the top. I didn't have a lot in there, but it, there's not a lot of room in there. So I had no right. I had no room to throw in. I couldn't do it. So we we're like, all right, let's just pay the fifty. You know what I mean? Just pay the fifty. I mean, obviously we have to, but like, okay, <laughs> fifty bucks, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then you're thinking, like, well, wait a minute. When I come back, I have to pay fifty again. <laughs> you know. What I mean? So one hundred dollars yep. to get this bag back—it's insane. Yeah, you might as well throw it away. <sighs> so that's how the whole video. I'm like, this is starting out well. This would be great. Yeah, that was my fault there. I guess I could have easily looked that up. So then we're standing in line, and uh, you know, I'm already a hundred dollars in the hole, pretty much. And uh, go. And then, and then, like, and I, I messages to you. I was shocked, you know, and I, and I don't travel much anymore. And then, like, and the last time I went to Florida in April, I didn't see this. But anyway, I, I, we, we get to the airport, and there's, and there's dogs everywhere. Yeah, they, they'll run the dogs occasionally. Yeah, and I'm like, what? What's you know, what is this? Like, you know, here it says emotional support animals on their vest. There's people there with these dogs, and they're bringing them on the flight, sitting on your lap. You know, they're on their lap. Oh, like, I understand what you're saying. Yeah, I was, I was blown away. I was like, you know, the flight uh, coming home when we came home, there was three dogs on that flight, and they were emotional support animals. And it was funny. Because, is, isn't that crazy though? There, there. I've seen more of them too lately. Um, what is going on out there? Everybody needs these emotional support animals? Well, I think it's just kind of their way of getting around some of the rules. But I don't think you need an emotional support collar or vest to bring your dog on the plane. But I think... You need to prove that that it's an emotional support animal, though, in some way, right? I don't think so. Oh, okay. I, I think, yeah, I think you can bring a pet and try to... But it's just kind of a sketchy situation because I always kind of feel like I'm... Um, impeding on everybody else's, you know what I mean? Like their flight. It's like, like, like you wouldn't I, bring Jazzy on board with you. I mean, it only if I had no other option, right. but I don't, I wouldn't do it, you know, because I just feel like it, she would be annoying people. Yeah. Um, although everybody would just be like, Oh my God, it's a cute little puppy. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I don't know what she's going to do, but I notice a lot of people with these larger dogs, they'll, um, uh, They'll just lay down. They're usually what I've noticed is they, they try to get in the, sit in the front row with these larger dogs with the emotional support vest. Yep. And then they lay down on the floor uh, in the first row because there's usually the most room right there. And they're pretty good. And, yeah. Yeah, they're all they're usually all very good dogs. But you you're basically taking up that whole section with a dog. You know, you sit in your seat and then the dog is like kind of taking up a lot of room really hmm. uh, yeah i always kind of feel like it's 
um, imposing on everybody a little bit. Um, it's one thing if you don't have any other choice, you have to move your dog. But but yeah, it seems like if you're taking up like a lot of floor space, especially where my feet are or something, yeah. it's not like I'm mind if you have a nice dog, but it's like, it's just, I feel like you're really imposing on somebody. Yeah, it's. Uh, I I was just shocked, and I remember messaging you about it, and I was like, "Wow, I, I just couldn't believe um, mm-hmm. <laughs> the amount of people that are carrying these dogs around now. It's crazy. And I guess anything. Like, I, I guess people could bring a cat on, birds, whatever. <laughs> but it's just. <laughs> I mean, just seeing it, it's just odd. It's your emotional support bird. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So what happens when a dog takes a takes a dump, right? Mid-flight, you know, it's funny like that you should. Them. Yeah, um, the it's funny you should say that because last time I flew to Arizona, the dog didn't do it on the plane, but immediately when it got to baggage claim, it did. <laughs> um, so it was it was the dog was up in the front row. Yeah, I'm talking about it was kind of sprawled out up there. It was being good, you know, yeah. like and listening to the owner and stuff and but it was a big dog and um the guy would stand up like through the flight and the dog would stand up next to him and so he would be like hanging out in kind of the aisle and the dog standing up by him and and uh you know he would get to talking to somebody and the dog would start like wandering down the aisle a little bit and he's like hey come back and the dog would come back to him and just sit right there. <laughs> it's nuts, man. So, and this thing is a big dog, like we were talking about. It's not like just one of these tiny puppies. Like this thing's pretty big. And, but it was really well behaved. Like he'd say, "Hey, come back here." The dog would come right back, sit there. But he'd start talking to somebody again, and the dog would kind of wander off a little bit. And he's like, "Hey, you know, get back over here." <laughs> and then once we got off the flight, then it, um, yeah, had its little accident right by baggage claim and. And uh, I'm kind of walking. I got my headphones on, and I just hear this guy kind of yell, like, watch out for the poop. (laughs) I'm just, like, thinking to myself, I'm like, what? (sighs) (laughs) It's it's funny. It's it's amazing how different it is today from years ago, that these animals Mm. are just everywhere. Even when you go in stores and stuff now, like, you go into, you know, Home Depot, Lowe's, whatever, and there's dogs mm-hmm. in there. It's like, wow. Yeah. I wouldn't even think about bringing my dog into these places, but. Yeah, they got to bring them everywhere, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Something. Yeah, it's. Every so often you'll see some of these really. You know, they're usually the dogs I see are pretty well behaved, and I think that's what people kind of think of. You know, they kind of think, well, my dog's really well behaved, and. Um, yeah. And, you know, I don't have to worry too much about it. And I think that's where it, it kind of starts. And then uh, then they just feel that it's okay to bring them along. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I, didn't, I didn't hear anything from these dogs at all on the flight. I mean, everything was quiet. I was waiting for them to start barking at each other. And, <laughs> yeah. You know, it would have been crazy. But, yeah, there's no way Jazzy um, wouldn't be barking. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so and so anyway, we we get down to Florida, and so we booked this. Uh, so now, I, I, earlier I mentioned I stayed at the Treasure Island Beach Resort. Okay, 
Mm-hmm. Now, we originally booked a hotel at the Treasure Island Beach Club, which is three hotels down from this one. And it was, Treasure Island has a lot of these hotels that are like, look uh, like they're from the 1950s. You know what I mean? They still have that 50s look to them. Mm-hmm. And, and I, which I do, which I like, because I go to Cape May, New Jersey, and they have a lot of those 1950 motels, and they're beautiful. I mean, they keep them nice, and they're great inside, you know, and it just has a great atmosphere about it. And I like that stuff. Uh, just the way I am. So, so when Carrie was looking this stuff up for vacation, I was like, man, look at that. The pictures look great. The pool looked great. Uh, the rooms look great, clean. And uh, so, we, so we booked that, uh, the Treasure Island Beach Club. And I'm calling these guys out because uh, you'll find out why here. So we, um, our flight landed like 1 o'clock. And we weren't going to be able to check in until 4 and they said, well, hey, you know, when when you just check with the front desk, though, your room might be your room might be available at that time anyway, because, you know, it all depends if they get the room clean and stuff. Mm-hmm. So. Um, so we're like, OK, so we took the Uber to the. Uh, took the Uber to the motel and, and you know, what's, what's the worst thing can happen? We'll just wait by poolside until our room's done. So we get there. And we go into the front desk and, you know, we said, hey, uh, you know, who we are and stuff. And when, you know, they said check-in wasn't until four, but we're just, we're just seeing if our room's available. And the lady's like, all check-ins are till four or at four o'clock. You can't come sooner than that. Like really rude. <laughs> okay. And I'm like, wow, that's, to me, that raised a little red flag. Cause I don't like when people, you know, you're on vacation. It should be nice to you when you show up at the front desk and rude as hell and i actually think she was the owner and it was an older lady and just rude and i said i was thinking you know hey lady you told us to check you know what i mean like, yeah so we're like all right we'll just wait around so we wait around and and you know they have a board not a boardwalk but they had this walk on the beach there's like a sidewalk and you can go all the way down and do all this stuff so we just hung out and waited for our room so we come back to check, you know, we get our key to the room. We go in there and it's like from the 1950s and it looks like it wasn't touched since the 1950s. Okay, great. Yeah. I mean, it would, the bathroom was that, uh, the old 50 tiles, that little tiles that are pink and white mm-hmm. and the toilet looked like it was still from back then, the, the shower was pitted and it looked like they painted over it at one time and it was peeling there was hair in the shower still nice okay and that's the first thing i noticed by the way it was the bathroom because we did not know like it said the door said room 37 here there's a front door and a back door well we entered through the back way which is when you open that door is the bathroom the bathroom has a door so so as soon as we opened it there's the toilet there's the shower. This big pink and white room looked absolutely horrible. So we go in there and, and then you make a right and that leads you out to the bedroom. And you knew you knew this was going to be a nightmare as soon as you saw the bathroom. <laughs> so we get in there. 
and the bed looked nice. I mean, you could tell this, they set everything up for the photos on the website. So, like, you, they took a picture of the bed, and the backboard looked nice and everything. And then they, um, so that was fine. It looked nice, but the rest of the room was total shit. And, it, you know, they had a couch there that was definitely from the 50s and looks like hell. And picture this, Jason, Florida, no central air. Oof. An air conditioner was in a walk-in closet. You know, one of those, it was just thrown into the wall. And so the air conditioner was basically, that, that walk-in closet was freezing. I mean, that was fine, but it wasn't coming out to the whole big area that it had to do. Right. So the room was hot. I mean, it was like, it had to be 80. This little tiny air conditioner wasn't doing shit. Yeah. So I was like, oh my God. And the kitchen was so tiny. It was like, I, I can't even explain, but when they show it on the website, and you guys can go to the website, Treasure Island Beach Club. And the, and the photos look fine. You're like, oh man, it looks great. And so they took a picture of the kitchen a certain angle, so you can't tell how tiny it is really. That you just see the cabinet, the countertops, and stuff, and it looked great. And and it went, the kitchen wasn't that bad, but it was so tiny you couldn't even move. You literally had to just like kind of like get in there and just turn to the left a little, turn to the right if you want to do something. <laughs> you know, couldn't walk in there really. But uh, so yeah, we uh, I was like, I'm not staying here if this air conditioner. You know, the air conditioner was really a big deal breaker for me. That bathroom was killing me, too. I, could, I couldn't, couldn't get the bathroom out of my head and the air conditioner out of my head. I'm like, how does the place not have central air in Florida? Welcome to your vacation in paradise. <clears throat> so it says on the website. Are you there now? Uh, I'm, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and the pool area looks nice. I mean, the photo looks... You know, I was like, wow, that's cool. They have the palm trees near it. And and it, the pool area did look good. But um, so we said, well, you know what? We'll go get something to eat and we'll come back and see if this room cools down at all. Because, or, you know, see if it gets any better in there. We had the, I turned it up to, to high. It wasn't on high. I said, well, let's turn this on high and see if it cools the room down. We'll go get something to eat, come back. And if that's not cooled down, we're going to, you know, we're going to do something here. You know, we went out to eat, came back, and it was still hot in there. And I was like, nah, this is it. We're not doing it. There's mm -hmm. no way. We're, we got to search around here for something else because I can't do this for a whole week. <laughs> and um, right down a couple, like I said, a couple hotels down, three of them, I think it was, is Treasure Island Beach Resort. And this place was okay. just built. Beautiful. And it was it was considerably you know it was a lot more money, but they had one room available, a junior suite it was called. How fitting, Gotti Junior. Junior suite. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and they had one room available, and I'm like, oh my god, we we got to do this because, you know, I am not spending a week in that other place. And yeah, that would have been bad. Oh. 
So long story short, we had to call because she did it through booking.com. We had to call them up and they talked to the front desk at the other motel. And um, so they canceled that. I had to eat one night though. That was the bad part. So I had to pay for one night to stay there, even though I didn't stay there and then switch over to the resort. Which, Which yeah, I'm, I'm looking at this website now. It's completely different. <clears throat> Definitely looks nice. Uh, the resort? Yeah. Oh, it was beautiful. I sent Allison some photos and she's like, she wanted to come down. And, uh, yeah, and they were fantastic. I mean, the front desk was so nice to you. So anybody's going to Treasure Island, go to the Treasure Island Beach Resort. You guys will absolutely love it. They cater to you. They They treat you like you're somebody. And uh, they just, it's just a fantastic place. Clean. And the pool area is beautiful. I mean, they had a, they had a, they had a guy there, Mike, shout out to this guy. He was awesome. Uh, he's the towel. He's like the towel boy. And, mm-hmm. and he, 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 you go to the pool and he puts the towel down over the chair Carrie, for Carrie you. Met, Carrie met him first. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's a great guy. And, Check out my pool boy, uh, Gotti. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, hey, what's up, Mike? And, uh, well, they had a, a pool. They had a waitress there that goes around the pool, Alina. So, I met her, too. And she was she was fantastic the whole week. Th- those guys just hustled and made everybody feel like, the, you know, like you're, like I said, they made you feel like you're somebody. And, you know, the guy, the guy opened up the gate for you to the pool. He put the towel down on the chairs for you, right? He gave you extra towels. Uh, the towels, you know. If you had towels laying around, he'd come by, pick them up, give you new ones. Uh, and then they came by and made sure you had drinks all the time, food, whatever you needed. Mm-hmm. It's fantastic. And then the beach is right there. I mean, it's you just walk right down the steps and then you go out to the beach. It was just beautiful. Great time. So glad we switched and uh, it's well worth it. Yeah, it sounds like that was the, the, the good decision right off the bat. Yeah. I'll send you some more photos. The room was fantastic, and and they just did a great job every day of making sure everything was clean. And it was just fantastic. So I felt like I was experiencing what the other, you know, other how they how they live, like you how you live, Jason. So <laughs> yeah, I was like, man, this must be what what it's like to be like Rona. So, mm-hmm. so that was my vacation. I don't I don't remember the last time I've uh, even went on vacation. Have you ever been to Treasure Island? No. No, we have to come down sometime when I'm down there. It's it's really nice. <laughs> I know I know how you are with beaches though. You're like Larry David. Larry David staring at Yeah, I've seen it. I get it. Yeah. I get it. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't understand. What's the fascination? I don't understand what I don't understand what people <laughs> see in this. I get it. I don't need to sit out here. And, and I love the beach on that side, the golf side, because it, the waves aren't beating you up constantly. It's just mm-hmm. a night. They come in nice and smooth, and you just have a good time floating around out there. Yeah. And the water was beautiful, and uh, I didn't uh, – I went down worrying about the flesh-eating disease, but uh, I did not get it. Happy to report. Okay. That's good. <laughs> I had people saying to me, oh, you're going to get that? You're going to get it? Like, uh, nah, nothing. It was fine. Yeah. It's like a bent iPhone. Still don't have mine bent. Yeah. My phone still hasn't bent. But, uh, yeah, I can't remember. We went to 
God, where did we go when we we did their vacation? Was uh, I'll have to look it up while we're while we're talking, but wherever we went, it was pretty awesome. Yeah, so I had a, had a great week. I was down there um, visiting my daughter who moved down there recently, so it was uh, just a great time. And that's a beautiful area. And uh, yeah, and then like I said, jet ski, and it was fantastic. So great, great week for what the weather was just beautiful. Can't say enough about it. So that was my, my that was my trip. And Jason was uh, at the E Nationals kicking ass over there. Virginia, yeah. Uh, we How'd flew in, flew into Maryland, yeah. and then drove. It was, took a couple hours to get there for whatever reason, but <clears throat> went pretty well. Went the dirt roads? No, it just it took a while. It's like it said it was only like eighty miles, but it still took like quite a while to. Hmm. Um, I don't know traffic or roads or whatever, but yeah, uh, yeah went pretty well. Um, good race. We've never been to that track before. Adrenaline RC, um, you know, purpose-built facility, track area, plus the hobby store. And, uh, yeah, they real good, uh, real good hosts for that event. Uh, they had a pretty good turnout. Uh, you know, last year we did the Roar Nats in Omaha. Omaha, uh, Omaha. For the E-Nats, we, we did that one there. And, and they didn't have a good turnout. It was like, 70 or 80 entries really uh, yeah which wasn't very good but then we got here we did i think it was about 130 125 something like that all right which was good i mean that was kind of a nice program it was a nice relaxed program um you know they ran it strict but still we were out of there in a decent amount of time and got was able to kind of go to a normal dinner and some of these races you know you get out too late you get out at like 10 o'clock and there's just no time Hmm. so yeah that's not bad yeah <clears throat> so it was good good a good race and uh you know mayfield kind of came alive the second day um got his stuff working really well on saturday and pulled out the tq in the very last round you know the went that was in buggy the buggy class he uh, there was four different tqs in the buggy class and he actually tq'd the last round which is good because that's usually when the track is the fastest so if there's any kind of tie break uh it's usually you're you're at a really good uh, advantage being the fast guy in the last one because of the, the speed of the track so that that worked in his advantage there and uh he had uh then he got the then he got the top spot for the main and on that track being as tight as it was, it was just a big advantage to, uh, to start out front and just ran a great race. Never, never made a mistake when he was out front and won the first two mains. And, uh, so it was, yeah, it was, it was nice. <clears throat> nice to see what he was able to do, uh, at that race again. And that's his fifth, fifth win in a row. Wow. Uh, in the e-buggy class, and he's won six overall. So um, uh, had a hell of a record in that class. He's actually won um, uh, won the truck class a couple times too. Uh, but the buggy one seems to be where he really does most of his most of his damage. Um, so 
he has also won short course a couple times. So uh, that E-Nationals has been pretty good to him over the years. And us as well. Yeah. So we've, uh, we were able to use our Lips tires there again like we did at the Fuel Nationals because it was an indoor track. So uh, they worked extremely well on that track we were able to you know we 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 started with the green compound then we got into some golds we tried those and eventually the guys settled on blues being their favorite plaids plaids yeah plaid it's gone to plaid no we got some platinums we mess with occasionally but um no plaid yeah platinum we made a long time ago which was harder than our original yellow compound and uh, we made them, and uh, you know Mayfield uh, ran them at a couple races back in the day. This is probably like 08, 09. He ran a few of them uh, back then when the tracks were really hot and abrasive and outdoors. Uh, but we never, uh, never really seen a production on those because, in general, the the harder tires don't really sell that well. Um, because a lot of the racing, a lot of people always assume that the the softer tires are better. And so running something that hard, like a platinum, really, I you know, like I said, he only ran it a couple times. And that was like, at, I want us the one I remember specifically was he ran it at Thunder Alley a long time ago. Um, so, but yeah, over the years, we've never really felt the need to use it long term. <clears throat> Holy crap. What's that? I was just watching a video here. <clears throat> Resort? Uh, no, I, 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 I checked the website though. But yeah, so uh, back to the race. Yeah, the platinum compound is something we never. We always use that. We always kind of maintain that uh, that color or that, uh, that name for a compound if we need it. Yeah. But never been something we've really needed on a production level. <clears throat> Did I ever tell you the story of how we uh, Trinity came up with the plaid? Yes. I did. Um, okay. Yeah, I'm trying to remember exactly what it was, but it was we, uh, had, we had we had an accountant there that uh, he always wore a plaid shirt. Oh, okay. So <laughs> we were trying to come up with names for these uh, foam tires and Tony P's like what do you think of plaid, guy? I'm like, plaid? He's like, yeah. Because he's always wearing a plaid shirt. You're like, yeah? I, I, like, like, it. Like, I like it. So then uh, I think, yeah, that was the first, uh, that's how we uh, came up with plaid. Too funny. I don't think he's, I don't think the accountant ever knew that, though. So we got to keep <clears> calling. You're like, um, he's listening. <laughs> like, go ahead and input this new product into the system for us. Um, <laughs> Compound is plaid. Yeah, I, w- I wonder if he ever caught on to that. Ah, he was a good guy, though. I liked him. Anyway, so I think there's other companies out there in RC right now using plaid, right? <clears throat> I think over the years, and you know, maybe it was Trinity, but yeah, with some of the on-road foam tires. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Yeah, so we did that race, drove back Sunday night, 
Well, we got there on a Wednesday, mm-hmm. uh, kind of late in the – well, not late in the day, but middle way through the day. Then or There was guys already there practicing, Joe Bornhorst, Jared Tebow, Ryan Lutz. I believe they were there uh, early on Wednesday. We got there like middle of the way through the day, and guys got a little shakedown, tires mounted, shake down the equipment. And then Thursday is a little more limited, um, more of a control practice day, but – so I felt like, to some extent, we're a little bit behind the um, the power curve there because uh, the op- if you have an open practice day, you can get so much done, especially in a race like that. So I felt like the guys that got there a little earlier um, got some of their things figured out a little bit uh, quicker. So it took us, you know, we, uh, you know, by the time we were into qualifying is when the guys kind of settled on what they were really liking. Wow. And then that's what um, Mayfield started running a little better and Spencer was running so well. So yeah, the, the Joe Bornhorse won Truggy, which was kind of nice for him because uh, he had TQ'd the year before, but Mayfield beat him in the mains. Um, I felt like Mayfield kind of outdrove him last year and then this year joe on this track he got the front uh the front row position and i think that was just a much better uh just on this track you kind of had to tq Hmm. so i think that that's was a big advantage i thought that was a pretty big advantage to tq and once joe got the tq and truggy um I thought that was kind of what he needed. Mm. And then, of course, that's what Mayfield had. And then in the short course class, Dakota won that one pretty easily, just being a little better, just a little bit better in 4 by 4 short course than the racers he was racing. Um, How's the uh, short course turn out these days? Eh, it's not that great. You know, 4 by 4 short course is – it does okay at some of these events where the track is big and maybe there's eight scale goes along with it. Might be able to eliminate that class soon from the nationals, huh? Yeah, it's possible. It's really unfortunate too, because that class was so good to the industry. Um, and, the fact now that it's not really a racing class anymore is the way I kind of look at it. There's still people that do race it, but nobody really pays attention to it anymore as a racing class. Um, the pros that run it, they only run it because they get bonus money for the most part for winning it. Um, you know, back in the day, they used to run it because they liked it. Um, it was fun to race, but now it's just just not the same. Hmm. And um, it's just not the hot thing in the business anymore. And, uh, yeah, we really miss it. The industry really misses it cause it's a great entry level class. And I think it still sells for the most part. Uh, it's still a good seller as a, as a, in the vehicles in general. Like I think, you know, Traxxas still does extremely well, uh, with theirs, uh, the slash, you know, it's always been sort of the benchmark of, selling vehicles um so so what are these guys doing then when they're buying them 
I think they're just playing with it. It's not the, they're not going to race them. They're just going to to drive them as a as a bash vehicle because mm. you can get them relatively cheap. You know, a couple hundred bucks for a slash, and they they are great fun play vehicles. So yeah, I kind of wish I knew what would be the next big thing that uh, would help out the industry. Because I think the the short course did so well, it helped generate interest, and it not only renewed some new people getting into this into it, but it also got some of the older guys back into it. Uh, not really so much older in age, but just older in experience. Uh, kind of got them back out doing racing again, and we don't really have that class right now, so we have to depend on two wheel buggy more than ever, and with the rapidness of them changing. Um, it's just, it's, it's a little bit stale right now, the 10 scale market. So did these guys realize like, oh, okay, so I had the short course truck, I'm racing it, but did they realize like, like did they move on to another class or did they just say like, yeah. oh, wait a minute, I got to still spend as much money to be competitive? Well, as- I don't know that it was about the money so much. I, I think um, what what happened is when the trucks were very uh, simple and when they were uh, they looked like real trucks, they were somewhat simple. The tire uh, selections were a little, uh, you know, light. There wasn't a lot of selections. It it really was a fun class you could race, and and it didn't and it you didn't care if you won or lost. It was just something that you would drive and and race in. And it was just like, whatever happened, happened. You were comfortable with it. And then, um, and then guys would also get like two wheel buggies and the two wheel buggy was the one they took a little more seriously, of course. And, and, um, but, but that short course was always easy for them. And it was fun. Um, another class to compete in. But when, when the, when it started getting more and more serious, the trucks were changing. It became less about, uh, you know, the realism of what the real truck looked like. Um, then I think it, it really started dropping off, uh, going to mid motor short courses. And that's when the changes really happened. Oh, wow. I mean, back, back in like 2010, 11, 12, that was probably the high point of short course. And it was great. Um, I mean, I remember being just as, pumped up and nervous about Mayfield racing short course then as it was in two wheel. Mm-hmm. Um, and now you see one of the guys run it and it's just like, it just doesn't really matter anymore. Uh, unfortunately. Um, so, and it just all kind of peeled away, um, over time and just not just became kind of a, just another class that's out there that doesn't really have a lot of meaning to it. So I don't know. Something's got to come around here eventually and, and be sort of the new gateway gateway fun class to get kind of some more people interested. And it's it just, I think it, it has to look, it has to look realistic. That's what people want. Um, that's what gets people into it. If it, it looks real, it's got it. People find it for some reason when it's like that. When you got these high end vehicles that don't look like anything, um, 
you have to be very advanced for it to um, you don't care about the looks anymore. It's all about just performance and, and, and results and, and that side of it. But to get started, I think it's important that it looks like something. And so we don't really have that going. So mm. everybody wishes they had that and that magic. They could pull that rabbit out of the hat. But uh, it seems like the last few times when that has happened, it's been Traxxas that's pulled the rabbit out of the hat. Traxxas. Good old Traxxas. Yeah. They, um, they've always just been really good at, well, I'm not going to say always, but they, they're just so popular in the, the RTR and uh, the entry level business that what they do uh, steers a lot of the industry. Right now, the, the big thing in the industry is scale trucks. You know, we've talked about it before. I mean, we've had, Brad on from Element, you know, obviously associated changing their whole company um, to <laughs> to let in scale trucks and scale trail trucks into their lineup should tell everybody what you know what's happening in the business is uh, um, you know any time you got somebody like that they basically change their whole company to do it. So there's got to be something. Yeah, Brad Gick, uh, episode 193. That was from uh, May 23rd. So if you want to go listen to that one. I see a lot of photos out there. These guys getting the element. Yeah, I'm a member of a lot of these groups, and I just kind of see guys pop in. And, yeah, so far it's been going pretty well. I mean, we have one here at the shop. I haven't driven it yet. Um I see some photos of guys like really tricking them, like you know, making them look uh, really freaking cool, man. <laughs> yeah, Put a lot of well, work there's in them. there's kind of two sides to it. I, one of the thing that Brad explained, um, but there's the guys that are only, that are more performance oriented, and then they'll they'll uh, make some some decisions on their truck and it, uh, more towards performance and the things. And and then there's the guys that are just only want it to be as scale as possible. Yeah, that's the ones I'm talking about. Yeah, I've seen photos. I was like, wow, that's and and typically nice. the more scale that it is, the smaller the tires are. Yeah. And because the reality is, is the tires we use in RC are gigantic, mm-hmm. and so. That's why our vehicles all work so well because we have huge tires. Um, you know, even a lot of these scale trucks, even the associated truck, it comes with a tire that it's uh, it would be equivalent to like a real forty inch uh, real truck tire, and a forty inch that's that's practically the biggest street legal tire you can run is is like over a forty inch tire. You know, there wasn't. At one time, a 48-inch tire was considered a monster truck. So essentially, these a lot of these scale trucks are coming with monster truck-sized <laughs> tires. Yeah. And, and when you actually see a scale, 10-scale tire uh-huh. in your hand, you're like, wow, this thing is puny. This is nothing. Hmm. And that's actually, that's the, the reality. Yeah. yeah, that's, but when you look at them, you're just like, I, 
it's not as I, I like the little bigger tire personally. <clears throat> so I like the RC scale trucks, but I like them with a little bit bigger tire because I think RC works better with a little bigger tire as they have in all the classes. Mm. So I think that um, you can do you know you can do a little better off roading trails and things with a little bigger tire and if you have to make the whole thing scale it's pretty puny really limits kind of what you can do yeah so yeah a lot of little nuances to that to that genre of rc i guess you could say but yeah like you said it looks like that truck is selling it's out there um the the part that I noticed right away that's tough in that segment is once you have the truck out, what do you go from there? Because, you know, in, in racing, um, you can talk about results. You can um, yeah. talk about set. You can talk about setups. You can talk about, um, you know, a lot of things. Uh, and it's because there's usually – uh, races and things to do with the equipment so there's there you can kind of maintain the momentum um, because of some of that stuff and with these these scale trucks you kind of have to let the um, the people and the product has to dictate the momentum uh, because you can't really do it with results because there really is no results hmm. so That's true so you have to either come out with new product or updates or have little accessories to add to it, <clears throat> or um, you have to rely on other people showing you what they did with theirs to create some uh, buzz because there's really, uh, you know, that's it. You know, there's, there's nothing that's, you know, kind of keeping you excited. Um, so that that's what I see that's a little bit, different about it uh so far that i've seen is you know it's like associated was it was really nice um they were doing a lot of the marketing and things getting that vehicle going uh it was great because they could tease it they could um you know lay it out in the garage box that they have and a lot of cool things once you get it going but then you know now i see uh things online it's like well the truck's out now like it's like now i'm bored already you know, it's like, you, you know, it's like I, it's like there's, you know, they showed some aluminum parts. It's like, yeah, I, I get it, aluminum parts. and But it's like there's, yeah, you kind of want to see more. You, you want to see, mm-hmm. um, you want to see it in action or there's something to it. Like, that's what kind of keeps me going, I guess, is uh, what's next week? You know, what's the week after that? Um, it's definitely different from that standpoint. Definitely a lot different. Yeah, I guess you just gotta. Yeah, I don't know. Seeing these videos, I, Axial Fest, I guess stuff like that. Uh, mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what other events are out there for yeah, them. But there, there I, is, I, there definitely is events. Yeah, and you just gotta. But there's no winners and losers. Yeah, I know. That's for the uh, most part. <laughs> for the for the most part, there they do have competitions where there's, but it's not like people see it as um, it's not like racing, you know, where there's uh, so it's a little different from that standpoint. Yeah. You can't be like, Oh, element dominate dominated this weekend over at, uh, 
<laughs> you know, like yeah, there's that. There's the, it yeah. does that. I mean, I, I suppose you could have a competition based event, and you could say that you dominated, but people don't really care. Yeah, they're it's just like, going out and having fun with these things. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that it's it, it's it's totally different from that standpoint. It's got to be tough. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I think it's doing well in the market. Um, of course, they got you know it's like everybody is up against Traxxas and Axial. Uh, well, I mean, those events are attracting a lot of, what, over a thousand people at these Axial events, right? Yeah, last year's Axial Fest, I believe they had over a thousand entrants. Wow. Uh, yeah, which is huge. Um, what else? You know, the event, the event itself is, it's kind of like, I, I think, is a little bit like a party sometimes where you're kind of hanging out, you're cooking with your buddies, and then you go out and you do runs. Yeah. Uh, trail trail runs and you come back and you know you, you know you know get some snacks or whatever and you chill out and then you go back out on another run and um, do another course or a, a trail and um, it's a little bit more like um, I don't know to me it's almost like tailgating yeah you know that's a good but, way to put it yeah, it's almost like tailgating, but with where you can go run your truck, which I think is uh, is kind of a unique. Uh, I think there is something to be said for that because you're not judged on anything. You know, in racing, you're judged on your speed, right? Yeah. So, uh, and and some people really get off on on being in a competition that's like that, but I think in general. When you're not being judged on some of these things, um, it's a little more relaxing for people. And it doesn't matter how prepared or how cool their equipment is. It's just they're just hanging out. Yeah. So. Uh, hmm. But, yeah, that's what's that's going well right now. Um, we'll see uh, if it continues at the, the momentum we have. There's a ton of. Um, people in in the business, uh, there, you know, there's a lot of competition, different uh, makes and models, and uh, lots of competition. So it's a little bit it's a little bit heavy uh, with competition. So it's it's hard to it's hard to make your mark. Uh, so do you think some of these short course guys went over there to scale, like to the? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. Uh, because I think they probably got short courses because they liked the way they looked. Uh, it got over over competitive, um, too difficult, and then they started looking for other scale things to to play with. And and I wouldn't be surprised. There's a lot of yeah. Uh, uh, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a lot of people that were from that segment. I wouldn't be surprised. If there's a lot of old racers out there. People that used to race at one point or another, and you know they wanted to kind of move on. Um, they still like RC cars. I mean, I don't really, I, I don't really know anybody that gets out of it because they don't like RC cars. So that's why some of this stuff doesn't really surprise me at times because you know there is a, uh, uh, I don't know what the right word is, but. They want to be. They want to be involved in RC cars, but 
they they get to they get so far down the road in the racing side they're not seeing them you know doing well or or, or improving so they um so they jump into something else mm. so i wouldn't be surprised to see a lot of a lot of guys out there that were former racers it's going to continue to be like that but you know what as long as they're in rc i'm pretty it's all good. happy with that as well yeah. uh you know i and and like I said, I don't really know a lot of people that have been into RC that just don't ever want to do it. You know that they just quit liking RC cars. They still like RC cars, so we'll see. A lot of drag racing going on too. Drag racing. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, obviously we got some products for drag racing, and we've had you know a lot of. Uh, We've been doing that for the last couple of years, different bodies and some wheels and tires. And um, you can really see that people uh, people are really motivated in the drag racing scene right now. And it, like I said, it's people. It's also people that have experience in RC that they keep moving around to these different segments. And of course, you get new people, too, here and there. You kind of suck them in. and But they're, they're liking it because they look realistic. Mm-hmm. They can build a Chevy Nova or they can build, you know, a Chevelle or, you know, we have the 66 Chevy. And th- there's all these different things they can build. <clears throat> and, you know, you see people all the time that that reference, oh, my dad had one of these or my grandpa's was his favorite car. Or, and this has always been my favorite car. And when they're referencing that um, and that they're building the car around that. It's impressive. It, it, it that's what's making the difference to them. When they see this B six buggy, it's not wanting. They don't want to get into it. There's no like draw to them. When you, but there's a draw. Once you're into racing and you don't care about what the car looks like anymore, now now you're into it, right? Yeah. So. Um, and that was the that was the that was the appeal of the original RC10. It was a race car that um, that kind of looked like a buggy. And um, I've been doing some research lately, watching some old uh, of the old videos and some of the things that are that are around. Um, and it's amazing listening to some of these old videotapes from the '80s. Uh, there's the one that came with uh, the RC. I don't know if it came with the RC10, but it's called uh, the Winning Edge. I think is one of them. Mm-hmm. And then there was one that was linked, or the one that was right after that. But the first one I believe was an associated video, and then the second one is very similar, but I don't think it was an associated video. But um, a lot of the same characters are are in are in them. But it's cool. Uh, to watch some of those videos, I mean, these things are from the eighties. I mean, these things are over thirty years old, <laughs> man. And the the stuff that they're saying in these videos still makes a lot of sense. And it is kind of surprising. And what they're and where they're driving the car is funny in the video. <clears throat> some of the videos they're driving them on the beach. They're driving an RC ten on the beach. Which is, 
you would just never see that today. You'd yeah. never see them drive a B6 on the beach. Um, <clears throat> but then they were driving the RC10 on the beach as kind of a fun action video because not only was it a race car, but it was also a play car. It was fun to play with. So you could, you could do, it was very versatile. Uh, and now they're so specific that um, it kind of limits a little more what you can do. But, but yeah, it's, it's, it's fun. So I was working on this. I'm thinking about doing this this video where on our YouTube channel where I talk about my favorite RC cars of all time. Oh, okay. So I was doing a little research on some of the old RC10 videos, and then uh, I've been looking up some stuff about the JRXT lately because uh, I was able to I was able to get my hands on a new. Are actually a replica of the truck I won in 1991. Uh, the 1991 Winter Champs, Jay Halsey was driving for Team Losi then, and he TQ'd modified truck with a JRXT. And when the race was over, since Team Losi was a sponsor of the race, they decided they were going to give away this truck and or his TQ truck. And I actually won it. So. Uh, I, you know, I got my picture taken with Jay. I got this truck and I brought it home and I had it forever. And then when I moved to California, my parents, I don't know, they threw it away basically. But, um, so there's a guy, uh, Jason Suntos, who, uh, does a lot of vintage RC stuff. And before I even knew him personally, uh, he had seen this picture of a JRXT uh, in the magazine with me holding it and he wanted to build a replica of this truck. So he built a replica of the truck that I won. And recently he decided he wanted to sell some of his, uh, his cars and I bought the JRXT from him. So, uh, and it's fully loaded with electrical. It looks just like the truck that I won actually better. It looks better than the real truck that I won. Um, so, so I was kind of doing a little bit of research on the truck and <clears throat> to try to make a video and, um, you know, give us another use to have the truck around. But also, uh, it was also my first racing vehicle was the JRXT. And then kind of coincidentally, I won a one, one from Jay Halsey. And I mean, and when I talked to him today, I mean, he, he remembers me from winning that truck. Um, you know, even all the years and I, I raced against them on the track and, you know, all these different things and, um, he's called me before to, to ask about, uh, business stuff, you know, um, and I'm just thinking, what are you calling me for about this? <laughs> you know, but it's like, you know, he's asking me about barcodes. He calls me one day and talks to me about barcodes and all that. I'm just like, why are you asking me about all this stuff for, um, you're jam and J, right? Yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, but it's cool because he doesn't, um, what is kind of nice is he's very, um, uh, I don't really know what the right word is when people say you're down to earth or whatever. Um, that's kind of how he is. And I think it doesn't matter to him if he's, you know, he's thinking, Hey, this guy knows about something I need to, uh, research. He's just going to call you. But I mean, but that's, that's where I met him. You know, I won his, his truck and I was like uh, a nobody at my first big race and I won his truck. And, um, so yeah, I ended up getting a replica back through buying this thing. So, and it just looks awesome. I mean, I was like, like half the day I'm like carrying this thing around, like 
thinking it's so cool. Yeah. But, um, you know, the guys around here, like AJ and everything, they're like looking at it like, this is what you ran? Yep, this was our truck. <laughs> but yeah, I wanted to make a video, talk about some of my favorite RC cars, and that'll probably be the first one just because that was my first race car, race truck. And it's, it's tough. There's a lot of information out there about the RC-10. I mean, there's so many people that love that car. Of course, that'll be another vehicle for another video, but um, there isn't a ton of information about the JRXT. There's a little bit out there, but it's not like... I mean, I, I actually looked for a video of it driving around a track somewhere, and there is no video, like, on YouTube. Like, I, I'm like, wow. there's not there's not anybody driving a JRXT around a track on YouTube that I've seen. There's some people driving one in a yard. There's somebody that's claiming, like, they got a, the world's fastest JRXT. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? There's all kinds of those kind of videos. Yeah. But there's nothing of it actually on a track. Yeah, that's a shame. It is, because, like, I'm doing this video with Rich, and Rich is like, hey, do you have any video of this thing? I'm like, no. <laughs> and he's like, well, we need to try to find something. I'm like, yeah, I agree. That would be great to add into the video. And and then I'm thinking, I'm like, am I going to have to go get another one of these and drive it on a track somewhere <laughs> so we have video of this thing? Um, it depends how good of a video we want to do, right? But yeah. I think it really needs to be done. I think it... I think it needs to be driven uh, on some kind of a track to kind of show what it looks like driving around the track. Cause that's what I started with. And um, they're just it, nothing like that exists right now uh, on YouTube or, or something like that. We're uh, s seeing this, this vehicle in action. Uh, there's people restoring them. There's, there's people with videos restoring them, putting them back together, but yeah, not a lot out there. Wow. Uh, but I think it's, uh, you know, you can watch a video of the 80, 85 worlds, you know, when Jay Halsey wins with his art, you know, first RC 10 and Gil Osi Jr. wins in a four wheel. You can, there's some video of that out there. You can see that, but mm. there's just not much, uh, you know, like on the box of the stadium truck, or actually they call it a monster truck. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but when they released it, but, uh, you know, if you look at the results on the box, there was a lot of races they ran in, and there's got to be some video somewhere of these races. Uh, would be super cool to see because um, it's like, oh, you know, Jack Johnson won this class in 1989, and Kyle Reed won this class, and it's like, yeah, it'd be cool to see that. It'd be cool to see that video for sure. Yeah, I wish we had the uh, technology now. To um, like we have now for back then to take videos easily and it'd been really cool, but we didn't, we had those big ass camcorders. Yeah. And, and then you had that DHS tape that <laughs> yeah, people you, know, you could get lost. What I had was right. I had the mini, I had the mini one. Yeah. The eight. Or and then, or yeah, I can't remember what it was called, but you, you took the mini one out of the camera and then you put it into like an adapter that looked like a VHS. Yep. Absolutely. So you put the tape in there, you close the lid and you like push the button and it like kind of, you know, um, and then you put that in the VCR and then you watch that. Um, but I've lost <laughs> those tapes. Like I've had them 
you know, that was like mid nineties. And I had mm-hmm. a lot of stuff on those tapes too, but mm-hmm. damn. It's not as easy today. You can upload it and save it and all sort of stuff. That's incredible. Uh what you can do. I mean, I recorded A1 and A2 of uh, E-Buggy from the Nationals, that race we were just talking about. And I got back and I told Thomas, I'm like, well, I have these videos. We might as well just throw them up on YouTube. And we put them on YouTube, and I'm like, this thing looks great. (laughs) Like, I videoed it with my phone. It looks great. And, um, And now, granted, it's not perfect, but it's like I had, I brought zero equipment with me. But my phone and I videoed this main from the driver's stand, and it, it looks pretty good. good. Yeah, these these phones are the cameras are getting better and better every year. I know it's, and I'm sure you know there's they're due. For, everyone's probably due for another update already, uh, and uh, the stuff's just going to get even better. I found one of the ads I found. I mean, we talked about this a little bit before, but uh, we got the JRXT sweeps the Roar, 1990 Roar Nationals. 19 out of the 20 cars in the A main were Team Losi trucks. Um, so that I think they're talking about there's two A main stock and modified. So 19 of the 20 were Team Losi JRXT. Fact, first, second, and third and TQ modified were all powered by Revolution Motors, which were which was Losi's motor brand. Yep. Uh, revolution and then the, now it says the fact the JRXT has won every Norca and Roar Monster Truck National Championship so they called it Monster Truck back then but um, it's pretty funny what's funny is it looks nothing like a Monster Truck it's funny that they actually think like um, you know they that they were that they're like this is a Monster Truck and it's like it looks nothing like a Monster Truck they actually paint it they don't even paint it like a monster truck. So um, there must have been some naming. Um, I mean, the first sentence is, there is a monster on the loose devouring its competition. And it's like, it's not a monster truck. <laughs> um, but I think where it came from is the Blackfoot from Tamiya was, was the original uh, truck. And they used... Blackfoot wheels and tires, which happen to be 2.2 inch wheels. That's where that whole size comes from, is from the Blackfoot. And when guys started converting RC10s and JRX2s to trucks, they used Blackfoot tires, and I think they were calling them monster trucks because of this Blackfoot connection, which it's obviously called Blackfoot because there was Bigfoot, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, um, so that was kind of their way of getting around a lot of the naming and, and that stuff that uh, Tamiya did back then. Um, yeah, Blackfoot. The name is probably a, a, a you know a, a version of Bigfoot. Uh, the when they released the Clodbuster, that truck is a they built it in the image of a real monster truck. Um, between there's a there was a truck called Samson and Excalibur and it's kind of a uh, it's kind of a mix of those trucks and they had a their vehicle called Vanessa's lunchbox and that was built to look like a truck called Rolling Thunder mm. and uh, I mean the graphics on the side are are almost identical 
with the exception of uh, they put uh, for Vanessa's lunchbox, I think they had a little truck behind the lightning bolt on the real truck and on the lunchbox uh, they had a, a girl because it was Vanessa's or, oh wait a second no it's it's Vanessa in a van popping out of a window with this little lightning bolt and um, but yeah all these were based off of real monster trucks <clears throat> and uh, the lunchbox and the midnight pumpkin were they had 2.2 inch wheels too which is funny because I mean we still have 2.2 inch wheels that's, today that's and, amazing. It, and it's all based off of all these vehicles having 2.2 inch wheels I love this thing I thought it was <laughs> an excellent RC car the lunchbox and the midnight pumpkin I think <clears throat> I think Losi actually enjoyed a pretty decent little run of them being kind of one of the only uh, you know the only trucks in town that you could buy uh, that was like a full a full blown kit. <clears throat> it took till I think Associated, they probably had, you know, that truck was released in 89 and Associated's, I think, was late 91. So they, they had a couple years of selling that thing before Associated even got into it. But yeah, that's what I, my first vehicle, that JRXT, was. Uh, I remember taking it out on the driveway and jumping it, and I was just like, uh, this thing's the greatest. <laughs> I was so convinced. I was like, this thing is great. Well, you're right, though. Yeah. You know, I had a... I had really pushed the limit with all my Tamiya vehicles, the the Clodbuster and the Midnight Pumpkin and the Lunchbox, and then got to that JRXT, and I was like, wow, this is so much different of an animal. Yeah, Lunchbox. I never had these trucks. Guys were lucky. These were these were the entry level uh, of those days. It's, it sounds like you kind of got more into the racing right away. I did. Yeah. Yeah, you were more into the race cars, and uh, but you know, I, I kind of had these gateway cars first. Um, you know, like these, uh, like obviously the Tamiya stuff. I had a lot more of these to start off with before I even knew you could race. I just that's what I had. Which is weird because I, I was into monster trucks when I was younger. And there is a photo of me out there wearing a monster truck shirt. I think I sent it to you once. <laughs> but, um, uh huh. Huh? Yeah, uh huh. Yeah, see? I'll have to find that photo. But, um, yeah, my dad purchased me the Hot Shot 2, and that's what kicked it off. Yeah, so you kind of, I mean, you that was more of a race car. Yeah, Blackfoot actually looks nothing like Bigfoot, but I think the name is what they wanted. That was the name. That was what was important. I wonder if they ever. I wonder if they ever tried to actually consider making it a Bigfoot. I never had a Blackfoot. 
maybe I was just despised the name or something. <laughs> I just I felt like it was a ripoff. You yeah, know? you're like, how dare you? It's like, yeah, you can't, you can't do this. So yeah, what was before? When was our last show? It's been a little while now. June twenty eighth. Wow. Okay. So it's been. Basically, we didn't have one in July. Yeah, we yeah, didn't have one in July. We knew July was going to be busy, though. Mm-hmm. So we missed a lot of stuff in between there. Yeah, let's take a look. What do we have in well, July? You guys just put out a video not too long ago, um, catching up on all those events through July, I think, right? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, so we had the the one eighth Euros was in Italy. We didn't go to that, but we had our summer indoor nationals. That was at uh, Hobby Action. That was a good race. Um, Hundred and fifteen degrees outside, but great inside. Then we had the Roar Electric Nationals, which is the one we've already talked about. Good race there at Adrenaline, and then um, they just had the one tenth Euros. And on-road nationals was this weekend, so uh, the Roar on-road nationals. So now there's only, well, as f- from our perspective, there's only one uh, Roar nationals left, and that's in a couple weeks uh, here in, uh, let's see, that is the 22nd through the 25th in Columbus, Ohio. So that's the 10th scale. 10 scale nationals should be a good one there. Like I'm thinking that's going to be a pretty full event. Paul and Thomas are going to drive up to that. And then the surf city classic is practically the next weekend. Wow. Back around already. I know. And let's see here. Here it goes quick. Oh yeah. I mean, we're going to be, I mean, by the time this the nationals is over, we're going to be in September. <clears throat> which okay, so we got the Roar Nationals twenty second through twenty fifth. So I'm I'm pretty much home till then. Uh, and then uh, our turf nationals is the first weekend in September. That's in Connecticut, and then the very next week we leave for the Worlds in Slovakia. Yeah. Go there and see what we can do. Mm-hmm. So we got two large events in September. Well, one mega, the Worlds, and then the other one, our Turf Nats, which is a is a, also a big race, but it's a, you know not Worlds level. So, yeah, this right now is pretty good up until the Roar Nats, then they got to go boom right to Surf City and then almost turn around and go to the Worlds pretty soon thereafter so don't forget i want to get spencer on before the world Mm-hmm. Don't, weren't we doing like a karma thing at one point like if you're on the show yeah you get the rip rip karma going for you yeah yeah that was something Mojo. yeah we gotta get that going again it, it seemed That's for a while there everybody was having success when they're on the show they go out and win yeah <laughs> I think that's also been proven wrong, but uh, we won't mention that. <laughs> We're only missing the highlights. <laughs> uh. <clears throat> yeah, we're looking forward to these next couple events. Should be entertaining. 
We've never been to this track in Ohio, so... Um, Wait, which one's this? This for the Roar Nationals. Yeah, what track? It's called EN Hobbies. Oh, okay. When I haven't been there, uh, or any of our guys haven't been there, there's a few that of the uh, pros that did the... I just assumed really... it was at that CRC, CC, CC, no. RC. Mm-mm. Oh, wow. Well, what's interesting about that event is that's not the name of the track. That's the name of the race. Um, uh, that oh, track, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a little confusing because <laughs> that track is actually called the RC Factory, I believe. And they host the CRC RC <laughs> Mid- Midwest Midwest Championships. Yeah, good job there. <laughs> so um, it's a little confusing. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, this track's Ian Hobbies, which I think is actually the layout or the track's going to be built by the same guy that built the other one. Oh, okay. So I can kind of see, you know, we might see a, a similar layout, which actually, not similar layout, but, you know, at least built uh, by the same person, which usually is good because the the layouts are usually pretty nice at CRC. Yeah. So, uh, I think we'll see a, a a good layout, no doubt about it. All right, RC. What else you got? Uh, so we're busy lots. all the way up up till September, past September. Well, uh, we got a good little break here, uh, running up and run up the little run up couple weeks before the Roar Nats, but then September, the big event in September is the world. So that's a couple weeks right there, but before and after we should have a little bit of time. Um, you know, I think the big, the big uh, conversation at the moment is, uh, one thing we were talking about the other night was, uh, TLR releasing that new, oh, yeah. that new kit. Uh, they released a, what do they call it? Uh, something edition. Yeah, D D Elite 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 Edition. That's what it was. Elite Edition. Uh, so it was a twenty-two 5.0 Elite Edition. Now I was like asking you, is this come with the Kenwald body painting like that? What's going on here? But uh, so it's the box art is like it looks like the Kenwald car. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So what's with the uh, electronics in there and stuff like that? They just did that for the uh, photo shoot, obviously. Yeah, I think it was a combo. Uh, it was kind of like a combo uh, tribute to Kinwald and a new kit release. I, I was all um, confused. I was asking Jason. I'm like, wait, wait, what? We're going backwards here now? Or <laughs> yeah, putting these old like, electronics in the batteries, the motor. Yeah, it was kind of neat that they found the a very nice looking Cyclone speak control for the. Um, for the vehicle and then they also uh, put the four cells which is amazing that uh that all it would fit was four batteries in the spot now where we put our actual battery pack Jeez. Uh, but yeah so that was kind of interesting to see um and you know and then they did uh, they have a brush motor and yeah it had a brush motor yeah. in it uh, a yeah. tr- trinity brushed motor which I think was pretty unique. So I think actually people got uh, uh, really excited uh, when they saw the picture of the car because it was a, actually a really nice Kinwald painted body by uh, Bradley's Fine Line 
painted that body. Um, and I mean, to be honest, Kenwald's bodies were never that nice, but, uh, but you know, this guy's a, you know, obviously an amazing painter. Uh, Kenwald didn't mind painting his own bodies and they didn't have to be perfect to him. Like it was like, he liked the fact that he painted them, I think. Yeah. Um, where they painted this one, it was a great looking piece. Uh, but yeah, people got excited when they saw it uh, because I think I think they kind of thought it was a Kidwall kid. That's what I thought. Um, which I think is part of the idea also for them is it's the opportunity to, um, sh- you know, show some great respect to Kinwall, but then also the opportunity, um, you know, to get a little bit of a sales push out of it, which, you know, you can't really blame them for that. Um, but yeah, it was, it's a nice looking car. Um, and to me, I mean, and I think they're kind of banking on this a little bit that people are going to buy it because it looks, the kit box is going to be cool looking because it has Brian's car on it. Um, you know, that's kind of one of the things we had talked about was, um, you know, there, there's going to be some people that buy it just because of that. It would have been cool if they could have got his signature on here somewhere on the car. I saw I saw his signature um, on something that I was looking at. Oh, okay. Um, I don't see it here. But. but, you know, we have his signature, too, because we had him do a signature for us for the, the products we have. And... I'm not sure where, you know, they might have had theirs from the old days or they just took one off the internet and redid it. But, um, yeah, we actually had Kinwald, when we did ours, we had Kinwald sign something and then we kind of digitized it. Yeah, uh, so it been cool on the chassis stuff. or something here. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's tough because, like we, we talked about, is then you get into, uh, you know, you know, who's you know, he has to pay royalties for the Kinwald name. And I think by just using his paint job and implying what you're doing is you're implying that it's a Kinwald uh-huh. uh, car. You're not saying that it's a Kinwald car. Then you're kind of getting out of your, any type of a licensing or, uh, yeah, they, have, they have Kinwald on the body, the decal. They have your decal back here too. The Kinwald decal, I mean. Mm-hmm. On the top view, I'm looking at. Are you looking on this on the web or on Facebook? On on Red RC. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah let's take a look. Oh yeah, so we got uh, there's the pictures, the parts. That's funny how like the cyclone speed control and the brushed motor. Yeah, it's is, so wild. It's like in a photo. It's in a photo, so it's like it's almost. It does make you a little confused. <laughs> sure oh did, yeah, they, they have. They actually have our our Kinwall decal. Um, yeah. Um, in the back uh, of the car, and then Team Kinwald uh, on top. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't see that before the top view of the car. You know, I I think this is a a, a fun release. Uh, definitely gets people a few things that maybe they found throughout the year here with the car that they didn't. Uh, you know, some improvements. Uh, in general, I don't think there's a lot of 
mega updates here. But, you know, if you want to freshen up your car and get all the latest updates, this is a great way to do it. It kind of almost makes me want to get one just to keep it in the box sealed, put it on the shelf. Well, well, that's exactly, you know, I know what they're banking on here is not only are people going to get at that race, but they're going to get them people that just like Kenwald, which, you know, is kind of, I'm kind of one of those guys that would be like, oh, I would need this. I got the Trinity sticker on there on the side. That'd be cool. That'd be cool for me just to have that. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, Kenwald had these decals that, like, that wasn't like the real Trinity in the real Losi logo. No. Like, it's a model. It's like a modified version of the logo they used for their company, which was now you couldn't really do. No, they wouldn't want you to do that. Um. But somewhere along the line, Kenwald got to where he was using this, uh, <laughs> you know, this, these modified versions of the logos for some reason. And and, that, and what was funny is that was also when he was like kind of in his, uh, I don't know what you call it, prime or whatever. But when he was very dominant, he he used these that logo style. I think we. I think they came out. I think they came out with this sticker sheet at one time like that, didn't they? There, there is a decal sheet that looks like that, but it came with when they made his car. I think. Okay. When they had one of his editions, Kenwell edition, yeah, yeah, but like, but like you were saying, but I think these were custom before that, and then they kind of were like, well, if we're going to have a Kenwell edition, we kind of need to. So they kind of mocked up the decals he was actually using. Very, I hope, I hope the box strange. art is like this. I think it's supposed to be. I think this is supposed to be on on the box itself. Wow. Man, I'll tell you what. I really would like to have one. Uh, the kit will hit the stores by the end of August. But yeah, I would keep it sealed. It's a good car. We were talking about Should the Kenwald be. edition at one point in the podcast uh, a few episodes ago. Somebody sent us a photo they had of a sealed one. I forget who it was, mm-hmm. but um, man, I would, that'd be sweet to have one of those sealed. Damn. Cool stuff. Well, I'm sure they will sell a lot of those. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the hope is, you know, they throw some Kenwald on it. Put some new items in the kit, and yeah, you got a good, yeah. a good solid piece. Over a, not this weekend, but last weekend, they had the the King of Kings race, which is mm-hmm. up in uh, it's the border of Indiana. Um, and I wish I could really remember precisely the city. Um, but it's owned by uh, the Myers family, which is uh, Dakota Fenn's wife, Chloe. Her family owns this track, and it's uh, the last event they're going to have on the outdoor track. Oh, State Lion RC? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Fremont, Indiana. That's where it is. So they had uh, over 400 entries there. 
uh, we had Mac and uh, Dave Duncan went up to the race and oh, just yeah. kind of support supported the event for us. J Concepts title sponsor. Mm-hmm. So it was good to be a part. Yeah, this track is really nice. This reminds me, this track reminds me of the days um, back in the day. One of the tracks in my area looked like that, sort of. Mm-hmm. Got people back there. Pit, you know, the cars are pulled up right alongside the track. Uh, got some trees there. Yeah, that's pretty nice. People love going to this track. They. They just, they bring a lot of, you know, campers and haulers and it's just a, I think it's a great time for people to kind of, um, they like to kind of settle in and, and, uh, so yeah, that's supposedly going to be the last one outside, which I'm not exactly sure why they are um, not going to have it anymore. They're not going to have an event out here anymore. What? Uh, Well, I, th- I think well. There's two tracks. There's a driver stand, and on one side of it, uh, there's a um, like an oval or a ten scale track. Okay. And then on the other side of it is the bigger eight scale track. And I see uh, a layout here. They have a drawing here. And the eight scale one is the one they're not going to run anymore. Supposedly, I'm not exactly sure why. You know, but. Um, you know, maybe they're just tired of maintaining it or yeah, you know, whatever the case may be. <laughs> but I, I still think they're going to run the 10 scale version. So, yeah, I think they're still going to run on the 10 scale oval. It's probably easier to maintain, easier to work on, more predictable turnouts or something. And yeah. The 8 scale, well, I don't know. I don't see why they wouldn't still just do this race once a year. I mean, especially when you get that kind of a turnout. But, um, but yeah, you know, people move on and whatever. So, I think Dakota wrote something really nice along with others about how it was such a great place for him to race and learn and, you know, meet, <laughs> you know, meet Chloe. And uh, I think he wrote a real kind of a nice gushing Facebook report about it. So, oh, wow. um, he didn't have the best of luck at the event. That's what kind of was unfortunate for him, but, but you try. <laughs> That you can do right. I think Ryan Lutz was really the big winner there. Uh, uh, we had some guys do really well, like uh, Cole Tollard and uh, Tyler Jones. Tyler Jones is one of our guests. We're trying to line up for the show. Oh yeah, Tyler. We had to move him to next week, right? <laughs> yeah, he's flexible. He's like, yeah, whatever. That's fine. Sweet. Yeah, we got in. We got. Uh, Two new videos we did in the the J Concepts garage. <clears throat> we got uh, let's see, we got we got two of them out or one of them out. We we in we uploaded a couple new ones since the last show we did, but J Concepts garage on the YouTube's. And then while you're there, uh, subscribe to Radio Impound Podcast. You can listen to the podcast on YouTube if you want to. I know that's how Jason prefers to listen to it. So, I, I'm I'm so I'm so into YouTube. It's crazy. <laughs> and it's I don't like I'll watch stuff if it's necessary, but if you can listen, I'm okay with that too. Like, yeah, that's that's where I never really listen to podcasts on YouTube, but uh, I put it up there for you. And then anybody else that wants to listen to it that way, they can. 
I notice uh, nobody really goes to our YouTube page to listen to. <laughs> well, yeah, I think uh, once you get used to using, you know, whatever your app or whatever yeah. that you use for podcasts, it make you know, it's kind of easy. But um, I just noticed we got we got 40, 40 of these vlog episodes already. Wow. We did one here in uh, this one looks like it's from. I think this is mostly from June. Um, then we kind of got one that covers a lot of July. That's the longest one we've ever done. I did uh, with Thomas. It was forty-seven minutes. Wow, forty-seven minutes of goodness of of video. <laughs> forty-seven minutes of video. So Rich is like, we finish, and he goes, I think that's a new record, 47 wow. minutes. And I was like, I go, can we find the people that watch the whole thing? Those are our real fans. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, what we did is Thomas and I, I said, let's just go through all the events that we've been to this, you know, summer or whatever. And yeah. uh, we ran them down and we gave a lot of information. And for people that like that type of thing, then it's there. I mean, for some people that just want the quick two-minute deal, then, um, then, you know, that's what you're going to, you know, that's what you're going to get. But, um, you know, if you like, Oh, I think those guys love that stuff though. The YouTube videos. I mean, I have people come up to me and say they like it. So, oh, yeah, it's, it's good. It's, it's, uh, you guys put out a good video and, uh, I also like what these, uh, guys are doing now, like Spencer, they're doing these Facebook live videos and they're asking, you know, they're answering mm-hmm. questions to these guys. I mean, that's fantastic that these guys are embracing that and doing it. And, um, man, I can't imagine. I still, when I, when I watch these guys do these Facebook live videos, taking questions and stuff, how awesome. I can't, I can't stop thinking about how awesome it would have been to have that back in the day. You know. Oh, God, I'd be so into this oh, stuff. Oh, man, like Ken Wald getting on Facebook Live or something back in the 90s. <laughs> oh, we had my gosh. All- <laughs> he just- <laughs> He'd break the yeah. internet back then. Of course, yeah. It, it would just be, it would have been insane. It, it's crazy. A Cliff Lett shock building video. Oh, People just God. would have been, you know, Joel Johnson explains something, you know. People would just be going crazy. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, so we uploaded another one here. Another episode about dirt oval and some drag racing stuff. And um, so that's two videos we've done since our last podcast. And then uh, Rich is actually going to probably update one more tomorrow. That's about uh, dirt off-road racing, uh, 10 scale buggy stuff. So that should be cool. Uh, And then uh, we're kind of working on this, uh, you know, the video about the JRXT, that type of thing. It'll be a little different, but. A little different format, I suppose. It's not necessarily about our product so much, but it's about an experience that I had with the product. Cool. Head on over to YouTube and check it out. The YouTubes. Oh, one thing we can go into is a race that just finished up today uh, was the Roar On-Road Nationals. And uh, it almost feels like this could be this Cavalieri's first year running the Roar On-Road Nationals, but he's running it 
uh, with the Yokomo car this year. Oh, wow. You know, because he's uh, yeah. the last couple he's been using the uh, uh, you know, the associated car. And mm-hmm. um, so, but this one is his first one. How'd he do? Uh, well, he won. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Well, that yeah. was that was easy. <laughs> yeah, he he uh, he won it. Jeez. Wow. Well, congratulations, Kev. He didn't TQ. Um, another driver, Brandon, TQ'd all four rounds, and then. Um, I like to watch this. Yeah, and then Cav won the first two mains. I believe the the driver that TQ'd, uh, he broke in the first main, and then uh, Cav won it. And then the second main, Cav must have got around him uh, and won it. So, truly, uh, one of the greatest of all time, Cavalieri. Oh yeah, um, could just about race anything. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the driver that he is. And he's, you know, what I would consider he's a finisher. Um, he's a guy that um, he, he knows how to finish off a main. Um, he knows how to race people one-on-one and and, and get and get the win. Uh, mentally, he's always very good. <clears throat> he's always mentally very good about uh, racing, you know, with his competitors and and um, and I think that's what that race probably came down to, just being uh, just mentally or a little more experienced in those in those moments, and yep. and him doing such a good job at, at being a finisher. Absolute beast. And after all these years, he still got the desire and passion. You know what I mean? So could have hung it up a long yeah. time ago. As far as you know, just cashing it in, phoning it in. <laughs> Yeah, um, <clears throat> and he's he's still getting these wins. So I'd I'd like to see him come alive this year and, and win something in off road um, at the nationals, or if he can get get it going at the worlds. Uh, I'd like to see him uh, kind of regain a real good. He had a damn good uh, run there at the A scale nationals. He did. Yeah, he got second there. But yeah, I think he he's really he I think he really needs a solid off road win this year. And with the Nationals coming up, I'd like to see him get his stuff together and, and really bring a, a good race. I think he just, I think it'd be nice for, for everybody involved for him and to show he can do it with the Yokomo and everything else. But obviously he just showed he could do it with the on-road car. But I think also, I, I think, you know, this isn't the, well, I don't really know how to say it, but all due respect to the competition at this on-road Nats, it's not quite like you know running a European on-road race or the Worlds mm-hmm. um, or an off-road race in the U.S. Um, a little bit different. Uh, on-road doesn't quite have as many heroes in the U.S. as we do in off-road. So I think that in all reality, he is winning these races, but it, he is probably also the best driver. Okay. Uh, you know, he's probably the best and the most capable, uh, and he, certainly the most experienced. And he should win these races then. Yeah. I'm not saying he should, but uh, yeah, in a way, um, 
he has the experience at this point. He, he, the only thing is he just doesn't run a lot of on road. So he only runs amazing twice. to me. He only I mean, runs he only runs twice a year. That's what's amazing. So like he's just, never been to this track before. He's yeah. never been there before. He's never for he's never um really run this car much before. Um but he does have a great mechanic, Randy Caster is uh gets the car dialed for him. Uh Cav really does the driving, but um He's just a gifted racer. There's just no question about it. Um, he always has been, and it shouldn't be in it. It shouldn't be a surprise that he can win this stuff uh, because that's really um, that's what he does. He keeps winning. You know, wins these races, and I keep thinking back to that. I think it was like a '98 RC Car Action inter- interview with Ken Wald, and he's like mentioning, you know, the next up and coming racer to look out for, Ryan Cavalieri. How true. Well, he was well, he was on the money uh, because he, and the reason he said that more than likely is because he raced with him on a local basis, so he could see it coming. Yeah. Um, and and I think to give, uh, not only did he race with him on a local basis, he raced with him every week. Um, so, yeah, um, amazing stuff. But the other guy is uh, Spencer. Um, and we've talked to him quite a few times yeah, on the show. Predicted that but, one too. Um, yeah, Kenwald was a big fan of Spencer. Uh, in uh, I remember Mayfield really standing up for Spencer uh, with uh, Brent and everybody. And, and um, I remember him telling me that he uh, he's like, yeah, he goes, I've seen Spencer race at his home tracks, and he's I've seen him run at the top of his game, and he goes, he's impressive. So I, when I heard that, I was like, man, I, um, there's not many people that he praises. <laughs> so you know what he does. Uh, on the track, yeah. It's it's like he praises somebody and you're like, um, okay. <laughs> it's funny because there's, um, there's a lot of levels. Like, you know, I'll talk, uh, me and Paul will, will be talking about somebody and, um, and we'll make the reference, and Paul will say it. He's like, you know, Paul's like turn marshaling and he'll watch somebody drive. And he's like, yeah, he goes, that guy is actually a really good driver. And, um, but he's not saying like, he's a really good driver. Like he's the next world champion. Like he's saying that the guy has good control of the car. He looks like he knows what he's doing. And, um, he, he's, so there's a lot of different levels to saying somebody's a really good driver. Right. Um, and I think that's what, you know, me or Paul would say, whereas, you know, Mayfield's not watching um, the novice or the stock race and coming back and saying, oh, this guy's a great driver, you know, like um, he, he's he's wanting to see somebody that really impresses him. Yeah. Uh, uh, whereas, you know, we're watching these other guys and saying, man, I'm kind of surprised this guy's got um, this guy's got pretty good skill, um, you know, in the stock race or this novice race and um but yeah but for them to kind of stick their neck out for some of these guys um it's pretty cool pretty cool to see um we just had our force race in florida that was yesterday i went by there and saw some of the some of the guys that's our uh local florida series that's once a month They've kind of been on a summer break. Yeah, I don't know how you race down there, down there with that heat. 
<laughs> but one nice thing about this track is they built a whole new layout, but it is indoors. It has a roof over it. It's not like a true indoor track, but it's right. Just this covered. is the one. Okay, yep. I know which one you mean. Then uh, uh, people always say, "Oh, it's the one covered one with all the poles." Yeah. Oh, okay. So, I mean, it's still got to get hot there, though, right? Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, that Florida heat is is amazing. But you know, one thing uh, I noticed was this weekend wasn't quite as hot as it's been normally. So, it, I mean, they had a good race. They had a good turnout. A uh, new track layout, so guys were. Um, it was fresh for the people coming in doing the force race and Lee Setzer, uh, had a great weekend. Uh, he TQ'd one nitro eight scale, which I think is his first nitro win on wow. the series on, on the series. He, he's, yeah. he's won, he's won a lot of our super cup electric races where he's, um, races it a lot more, but. Uh, this was his first, I think, TQ and win. He's TQ'd quite a few times. I don't think he's ever won, though. Mm-hmm. So, very cool to see him getting the win. And then uh, JR won 8-scale electric. Uh, him and Lee had a good race in that. There's two A mains, and one of them won each. One, one, one of them won one main. The other won the other main. And that goes by who had the fastest winning time. Oh, okay. So JR's first main was a little faster, I believe. So he uh, he won the overall, which was cool. Um, I'm sure he was pretty excited. He hadn't been uh, hasn't run as much lately uh, as he'd been running before that, but uh, he's got the skills as I was um, to get the job done. So uh, talk about somebody that's won a lot of races in his uh, life. Um, he's won a lot of races. JR Mitch. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like I've won a lot of races. Like <laughs> until you compare yourself. Well, no. Um, I mean, I, I think. I mean, I, in general, I, I've won a lot. Um, you keep track of all? You know, no, but just oh, in general, through the years, I feel like I've won a lot. But, um, but guys like JR. Um, People that I can think of that have been doing it this long, um, you know, Paul Wynn, yeah, uh, guys that I think like your total number of wins like that you've been racing, um, gotta be interesting. It's, it, whether it's club races or regionals or what, whatever you're racing, just, everything, are you counts. everything counts. Are you winning? Yeah. Um, you know, are you winning? And and I'd say for sure. Um, between JR, Paul, and myself, we have a ton of wins. Um, but yeah, JR's got to be definitely got to be way up there. I mean, he's got hundreds of wins easily. And, um, and that's racing usually once a week, you know, there, you know, for us in Florida, we, we never really had the opportunity for the most part, you know, throughout the years to race multiple times a week, you know, back in Kenwald, uh, when he raced club races and, you know, he'd race three or four times a week. So, I mean, he, he could, he, it's very possible that Kinwall's won thousands of races. Um, I remember I made a joke once that I was at a race and Kinwald won. And I'm like, yeah, this is his 6,400 and whatever race win. And you know, I know somebody's like, really, you know, how I'm like, no, I was kind of joking. But, and then somebody goes on there and they're like, well, 
if you kind of do the math, it might be possible, you know, like if you race four days, just say you race four times a week. And just to say for math purposes, you race four days a week and you rate, you know, you win three times a week for 52 weeks. You know, you got, um, you know, you got, uh, you know, right there, you got 200, you know, you got 150 wins, you got 150 wins of club races only. And uh, that's only rate. That's winning three times a week. You know, where a guy with Kenwalt, a guy like Kenwalt, I'm sure in his very most active, he probably raced four, sometimes five days a week um, when he was his most active. And I wouldn't be surprised if he won four or five times a week, many times. Yeah. Um, so getting and winning thousands of races is definitely not out of. Uh, you know, I'm pretty sure I've won hundreds of races and, and I'm sure Kinwald's won thousands of races and it's, Damn. you know, um, you know, I'm sure between me, Paul and JR, we're in the hundreds, you know, I'd say JR is probably ahead of me and Paul and, um, but I'm sure Kinwald guys like Kinwald's probably won thousands of races. So unreal. Yeah. And what's funny is you would think that after thousands of races that like leading races or um, that you wouldn't be nervous or what, but when you talk to Brian or when I have in the, in the past and you talk about these things or even in my own racing, none of that stuff really goes away. You can kind of like, you can minimize it a lot with experience and just confidence or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I, I, what's weird is those, that stuff still is there, no matter how experienced you are, you know, you gotta, um, cause you know, that margin for error is very minimal Yeah. because you know what it, how easily you can lose a race. It makes you nervous about winning a race. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised. Kinwald's probably won thousands of races. Uh, 6,000? Man, I don't know. How's that even possible? Jesus. So, 6,000. You're like that little kid in the, 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 doing with the calculator. <laughs> I am. Well, you'd have, to, to win, to win 6,000 races in 20 years, you'd have to win 300 a year. Which, <clears throat> so 20 years... I, 300 a year. I don't know. I mean, so you'd have to win. You got to win at least five, almost six races a week to get to. The, yeah. Um, well, you're somewhere in that area though, for sure. Yeah. He, it's a, well, it's in the thousands. There's no question. That's yeah. in the thousands. That's amazing. Just, Cause I could count how many times I won in my, on my hands. So, I mean, I know guys uh, that I've uh, dealt with over the years, like Jared Tebow and even Ryan Cavallari and, and um, not really so much Mayfield, but I know especially Jared Tebow. Um, I never saw him really be an average racer. When he came in as a kid, he was really good already. He was already winning races. It's like the kid always won races. And... I wouldn't be surprised. He's another guy that's won. Uh, I'm sure he's won uh, that. You know, yeah, hundreds and hundreds of races. But 
you know, he's probably never did the club racing activity like Brian to get into those high thousands. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I'm from the first time I ever saw Jared, he was a winning racer. Um, and, um, so it's, it's, you know, you're doing something where you're so accustomed to always being successful. Um, it, that's another level of pressure and another another level of I don't know anxiety because you're so everything's a win and if you don't win it's not a successful day um, and uh, and then these guys are racing big races not just like you know they're like at a, at a bad day they get third and a good day they won a bad day is third you know like that's what him cavalry and mayfield did for so many years it was like oh i had a bad weekend i got third uh good weekend i tq'd one i was thinking about too with paul we we're at the roar nationals and i was like thinking so we think about maybe kinwald has you know probably the most amount of wins overall there i don't think there's anybody that's won more club races, big races than, than him. But, but then I was thinking we were watching Adam Drake run a qualifier or something. And I, I looked at Paul and I was like, does anybody have any more laps than this guy? <laughs> I was like, I don't, I don't know. I don't think there's anybody that has more laps than Adam Drake. Um, and he's also won a lot, uh, but a lot of his, um, but he's, he races one, you know, He's really raced a lot more nitro or eight scale buggy, um, but you know. So we're watching him. We're like, you know, the the amount of that this guy races and him by the nature of running nitro, you run a lot of laps running nitro. So it's like, is there anybody that's run more laps than him? I I don't know. I don't know if there is anybody. You know, because he's probably been running, you know, racing over 20 years uh, easily. And uh, and just how much activity he has throughout the week and the weekends running nitro, long mains, you know, 30, 45 minute mains like they're nothing. You know, he's running them all the time where you're probably running, you know, 60, 80 laps per main. Uh, yeah, I can't imagine anybody having many more laps than him real time. Wow. A lot of success out there. Now Adam does a lot of and he does a lot of work too. I mean real work. Go to the office and breaking in engines and Yeah, I see uh doing uh service, you send the engine to him, break it in for you, get it all tuned up. Yeah, I've bought one from him. Yeah. Um, I actually haven't used it, but I did buy one from him. That's cool. Uh, I think we needed a new engine in one of our cars, and then we were using it from for some of our younger racers if they needed an engine. And, oh, nice. But, um, I wish they had these services back then, back in the day, like uh, Wally building the kits for you. Mm-hmm. Um, sure, can you, sure could have used that, I tell you. <laughs> You know, he'll get you a kit race ready, I see. And then, uh, <laughs> out there and yeah. That would have been nice. Yeah, you know, I, I can't I mean, really there's something say. For build, well, I mean, I, if I, you know, there's something for, you building your own kit, that's a good thing. Yep. 
But at this point, I would be like, if I bought a kid, I would certainly would be like, oh, I'm going to have Wally build it because, you know, I know what it involves and stuff. So, if something does go wrong, I could take it apart and fix it. But I want Wally to build it. Yeah. I'm too I, old to spend building these kids now. Well, what happens to me, what happens to me is I've, you know, it's been a while since um, I've built a, built a full kit. What happens to me is I'll start. Yeah. And then something else is going on. I got to, you know, regular work things or, or I, you know, go out of town or it's, it's yeah. very easy to get sidetracked and it's hard to just put five, you know, the straight time in that it takes to get it all done, um, you know, without sacrificing something else. And, um, and that's what it does take. If you want to do it, you got to commit that five to eight hours to completely build something nice and get it done. And um, what I'd end up doing recently is I do a little bit here, a little bit there. And, um, you know, kind of when I feel like it and, um, but that's not really enough to get a lot of these things done uh, in a timely manner. Yeah. Oh, you know, like Mayfield will say, he goes, Hey, I'll, I'll, He's like, I know I got to build two cars before this upcoming race. I give myself X amount of time and I, you know, I'll bust out my two wheel in four or five hours, brand new car, ready to go. And, you wow. know, then it takes a little, takes a little longer to do maybe a four wheel, uh, but maybe takes like a day and a half to do an eight scale. Um, but, um, you know, but you know, that's, you know, he can kind of plan his day like that. You know, that's where these services like, you know, Wally Bills and stuff's coming in handy for guys that maybe do have a lot going on. I've had Wally Bill cars for me. They're nice. Um, but um, there is something to be said for doing it yourself, getting it ready to go, and driving the car that you did everything yourself. There is still something to be said for that. Uh, you do miss out on a little bit by not being involved start to finish. Yeah, if I was uh, a first time, like if, if this was my first time getting into the hobby, I wouldn't have Wally build it. But now that I've built kits in the past and stuff, I'd be like, ah, I'm okay with letting him build it. Cause, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's well, that's how I was. Yeah, I mean, I was like, I know how to do it. It's not that I don't know how to do it. It's just that <laughs> I don't want to do it. Like I started building that B5 kit once, and I was just like, I got, I got bored. <laughs> and I was just like, "This is bo- I don't want to do it." Like, and I just rather have someone else do it mm-hmm. and just get me out on a track. And uh, yeah, it's amazing. I was looking through some of his stuff there. I think he just posted. Uh, I forget what it was. He, he'll build you a kit for so much money, you know. And then um, it's race ready. I mean, ready to go. Boom! He puts everything in it and everything, and you just get it and go out. That'd be awesome. I mean, that would be. I would love that. Mm-hmm. If I was to get back into it, I would just have him do it for sure. So that's yeah, cool. It's a pretty cool service. Like these guys, like Adam Drake's offering, I would never build a tune a nitro engine. So, you know, get it race ready. So I would have him do it. Now, after I get it, why well, build? I mean, I guess I could send it in to him, right? But I mean, like, you, you know, for me to have him do an engine for me would be not really a good thing. I would need to learn how to do it myself. I get out to a track, weather, the weather uh, on these nitro cars affects everything. You got to tune it, right? You got to tune the needles and everything. You got to know how to do all that stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So, how to, I mean, I don't know how you learn now all that stuff. That's why I stayed away from nitro, but I love watching nitro. I love watching these guys race nitro. Eight scale nationals and stuff. Love it. 
It is. I awesome. watch that stuff all the time. I love the pit stops, and it just bugs the hell out of me that I could never do that. I would love to try it, but I don't know. Those cars are awesome, though. I love eight scale. Love Truggy. Damn. But yeah, for me to go buy one, worthless. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that was episode 198. Two away, two away from the big one. And That's I've been idea. I've been thinking about uh, what we're gonna do for you know trying to round up a, a 200th oh. guest. So I've been trying to. Well, I'm glad you been have putting some been putting some feelers out there for some people that uh, maybe would be good. But yeah, it's gonna take a little. I gotta track them down a little bit. All right. Well, 198 in the books. For August 4th, 2019. Oh, I got to give this body away, too. I'm giving away a Ryan Mayf- Speaking of A-Scale, I'm giving away the um, Truggy um, Mayfield body that you sent me. This was from the, uh, I think you said maybe the Nitro Challenge. This is from. Yeah. This one here. I decided to give it away because uh, people saw it in my photo. I had a, I got a, because I got myself a Spencer Rivkin autograph wing that says TB12 on it. Let's go. <laughs> and that one, that one, I'm keeping. That's for me. Yep. So, uh, and actually, here's a, I have a Ryan Mayfield autograph wing right here too that you sent me. Yes. All right, let's give these two away. I got, I got a wheel up here. I got everybody's name in it. If you're a patron of the show at Patreon.com/slash Radio Impound. Uh, depending what tier level you're on, that's how many times your name's on there in this wheel. So I got it all up here. And all I do is I click this button, and it picks a winner. So let's give away the Ryan Mayfield wing. This is an autograph wing. Okay. And this one goes to Nate Snyder. Nate okay. Snyder wins the Ryan Mayfield autograph wing. And now I have the Ryan Mayfield truggy body that he used at the Nitro Challenge. Now there was two bodies he used there, so that was one of them. Okay. Because he had a body that he ran during the day, and then a body he ran at night, so that was the day body. Oh, was the night one all white? Yep. Okay. So this still has dirt on it too. There you go. Yeah, that's. How about that? You can display this nicely on your shelf. Mm-hmm. Big thanks to Mayfield. So let's go up here to the wheel again. Spin this wheel. Yeah, I didn't want to give this one up, but like I said, I had the photo there, and everybody was like, oh, man, I want that body. So I was like, yeah, any patron of the show, you can win it. Matt Hall. Matt Hall, you are the winner. I think Matt's won things in the past, so uh, thanks for the support over on Patreon. I appreciate it. And um, you, too, can uh, win some prizes. Just go over there and... As little as one cannoli a month gets you in the running for these cool prizes that Jason sends us. And he's got more stuff he sent me photos of. So Yeah, I got like yeah. I got two more bodies. I got some wings. I got a trophy. <clears throat> and uh, actually, I got two trophies. Sweet. So, Nate Snyder, you got the wing. Matt Hall got the body. Perfect. 198 in the books. We'll catch you next week with uh, Tyler... Jones. Jones. Young kid. Out there killing yeah. it, right? Yeah, won a big race this year. The uh, 
well, it's arguably could be one of the largest size wise, the uh, psychonitroblast. Wow. Um, he, had, he ended up winning one eight scale pro buggy there this year. So uh, big time uh, win there. Um, he had a great nationals, roar nationals. Uh, so yeah, he's got a lot of, um, a lot of support online. So I think uh, a lot of people are going to enjoy it. All right. And if you have any questions for Tyler, uh, look for our posts and just throw them in there. And uh, we'll have them on next week. So we'll catch you then. Yes, you put it succinctly. Suck what? Succinctly. It means perfectly. Oh, yeah. Well, I do that. <laughs>